So I'm excited this morning. Um, you know, in March, in early March, we'll celebrate our one-year anniversary of our church kind of starting. But Friday was a big day. Um, it was a big day in our nation's history because it was the one-year anniversary of me and Amy moving to Knoxville. <laughs> there might have been something else going on Friday, too. I'm not sure. But um, no, we celebrated on Friday our one-year anniversary of moving here. And it was just really cool reflecting back on the year. Um, I don't know for you Knoxville folks that may remember, um, it snowed a little bit that, this time last year. And so we show up the night before, we're in a hotel room, we closed early the morning of the 20th, and it was like, I mean, it was just snow and ice everywhere. And we were driving to the office to, to do our closing work, and I get a phone call from our movers that were still in Murfreesboro, and they're like, we don't know if we're going to make it today. And I'm like, bro, you guys need to make it today. <laughs> and it took them like eight hours to get here from Murfreesboro. Should it be like a two and a half hour drive? But they came, worked hard. They were great guys. But anyways, it was just wild kind of reminiscing on that. And I don't know, just looking around the room this morning going, God's amazing. Like he's so faithful. Like we were sitting there in this empty house, my wife and I and six kids. And it's like, all right, God, here we go. Who knows what you have in store for us? We'll see. And it's just awesome to know all of you and we're thrilled to be here. And so anyways, love you guys. I would encourage you, um, if, if you either weren't here last Sunday or didn't have an opportunity, go back onto our website and listen. Um, last Sunday, we kind of did a state of the church address, a little vision casting for this coming year. We reflected back on last year. Um, we gave some details. We talked financial stuff. I mean, we really covered a lot of ground. And so we just want you guys to be aware of what's happening and what's ahead. So if you have an opportunity, go back and listen to that. Um, it'd be well worth your time. Um, also, guys and gals, we just want to let you know, coming up within a couple weeks, we're going to do a couple of gatherings. Um, ladies, Crystal's working on putting something together for a ladies' night. We'll keep you on the loop on that. And then, guys, a week from Saturday, a week from Saturday, we're going to do a breakfast. Um, so watch for that information this week. We'll announce the details next Sunday. Probably going to meet at the first watch by the Costco off Kingston Pike, maybe around 7.30. So we're finalizing some details, but mark your calendar. A week from Saturday, um, all the men, come on out. We'll get breakfast together. All right. I think that's good for announcements. Alex, there's nothing else we talked about this week we need to discuss, do we? Cool. All right. I think we're good. Okay, so we are starting a new series this morning called Experiencing God. We're going to look at three specific avenues. These aren't the only avenues, but they're pretty core ways that we engage in our relationship with the Lord. Um, and so we're going to be looking at how we get to know God. We grow in our relationship with God through his word. Um, then after a few weeks of that, we're going to talk about worship and the role worship plays in developing and strengthening our walk with the Lord. And then finally, we're going to spend a few weeks talking about prayer and how we have that, that intimate, personal conversation with him, how we pray for other people and, and how, how our relationship with the Lord grows through that. So word, worship, and prayer, that's where we're going for probably about two and a half to three months. Um, that's the direction we're going in. So this morning, we're starting a three-part, a three-week study on God's word. Um, so, you know, my son Micah, he works his way into a lot of my stories. He's a very unique individual. If you don't know my son Micah, you need to meet him. Um, but one of my favorite things about him, and I don't, I don't know if it's something unique to his personality or if it's the byproduct of having five sisters and being the only brother, but he is obsessed with being wherever dad is. 
he just follows me around like crazy. And he knows all the little cues. I mean, if he sees me go to the closet where I keep my shoes and open the closet door, he beelines to the garage, he pulls out his shoe bin, and he's throwing on his shoes, he's throwing on his coat, and he shows up, he's ready to go. I mean, I might just be getting something else that's in the closet, but he is ready. He's not going to miss out on going with dad. And um, if I'm in the restroom, like, I'll, I'll hear kind of like, just like kind of scratching and stuff by the door. And every now and then I see fingers just sticking <laughs> like under the door. It's hilarious. And in our master um, bedroom, bathroom area, um, I don't know how to tell this whole story without getting a whole bunch of information, but we've got one of those like tubs that has the jets and stuff, right? And so it's right up against the wall between our bedroom and our bathroom. And there's a little access panel to get under the tub into the wiring and stuff. And so I'm in the bathroom taking a shower one morning and I start hearing all this noise and Mike has pulled the panel off of the wall and he's trying to get into the bathroom through the hole, which doesn't go anywhere. It just goes underneath the tub. And he's in there banging on the bottom side of the tub. And I'm like, what is happening? Like this kid is obsessed with being with his dad. I love the beauty of that because if we, if we want to really get to know the Lord, he's available. He's accessible. He wants us to know him and have a relationship with him. And, and very often it kind of just boils down to, do I want to be in his presence? Am I willing to get after where he is? And so this morning, while we're talking about God's word, we're really going to talk about kind of our heart and our approach to being in God's presence and hearing him through his word because that the approach changes everything. I can sit down and open up the Bible and I can read for three hours and I might gain some knowledge. I might even learn a wise little tidbit for the day or a cool quote, but I can actually walk away from that not having experienced God unless I'm stepping into his presence to spend time with him. And so next week and the week after, we'll kind of get into more of the details about getting into the Word of God and how to understand it and read it and even do some deeper study. But this morning, we're going to talk about everything that relates to, to moving into His presence and how we do that. So our passage, um, our main text this morning is in 1 Samuel chapter 3. Um, if you want to make a note of that, we're, the whole chapter is what we're going to cover. I'm not necessarily going to stop and pick every verse apart, but the entire story of what's found there in 1 Samuel chapter 3. So let me set a little bit of a stage, and then we're going to jump into this. So this young boy, Samuel, um, there's kind of a backstory with his mom where she couldn't get pregnant, couldn't have a child, prayed and prayed for years. She finally did, and she'd committed in her heart to the Lord, Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. He's yours. And so... Eventually, she got pregnant. She had her son, Samuel, and she did just that. When he was old enough and kind of weaned, he was given to the priests. And so Eli, this priest, was kind of charged with raising young Samuel. So he grew up in God's house around the temple. And so Samuel here in the story, he's a young boy. We, we're not told his age, but um, probably elementary school age, maybe middle school. He's kind of just a young boy um, growing around this fatherly figure, Eli, who's a priest, and being in God's presence. And that's, that's our story. So I'm going to kind of recap the story so you understand where we're heading. And then we're going to dive into a few of these verses. So the basics are this. Samuel, um, it's, it's evening. It's moving into nighttime. And so he's, he's laying down to sleep. And he's actually in the temple. He's in one of the main areas of, of the tabernacle being near God's presence. 
Um, at some point in time, we'll probably unpack the Holy of Holies and how the whole temple is set up. But he's in kind of this outer room that's just on the edge of being in the innermost part. And he's hanging out in that area and he's sleeping there. And so he goes to bed there at night and he hears a voice calling his name. And so he jumps up and he just assumes it's Eli, right? And so he goes running in and wakes Eli up and, hey, I'm here, what's happening? And Eli goes, man, it's not me, go back to bed. And immediately I can relate as a dad with little kids, like go back to bed, shut up, go to sleep. And so Eli does that, and this story repeats itself three times. Samuel hears a voice. He runs to Eli. Eli says, go back to bed. And finally, after the third time, it starts dawning on Eli. He's actually really hearing something. He's not just imagining something. I think God's talking to him. And so Eli gives him some instructions and tells him, okay, God's talking to you. So just when you hear him again, just tell him to speak and that you're ready, that you're a servant, you're ready, and he can talk. And so... Samuel goes back, lies down. The Lord speaks again. He responds to the Lord. God tells him all this stuff about Eli and Eli's family. And it's, it's actually kind of bad news about Eli and his sons who are living very hypocritical lives as priests. And there's some judgment coming on them because of it. Tells him this news. He goes back to bed. He's nervous now because he knows, right? Eli's going to wake up in the morning like, hey, so what'd you hear? What happened? And he's nervous because he got bad news. And he wakes up in the morning and Eli tells him, don't be afraid. Tell me what you heard. And he takes the risk and tells him. And it says from that time on, Samuel began to hear the Lord's voice. And he never let a word that the Lord spoke fall to the ground. So that's, that's the nuts and bolts of the story. So there's three things I want to encourage you to grab hold of this morning from this story. Number one, the first thing is position, our position. Secondly, it's listening and thirdly, it's about responding. Positioning, listening, and responding. Let's jump into this. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So a few things I noticed here. Number one, it was actually a rare thing to hear from God in that day. Now, believe it or not, I think this is an issue in our own day. And what's sad about that is it doesn't have to be that way. We talked a couple weeks ago about the Holy Spirit and how God designed us to receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and we could be filled with him and God's presence would be with us and we would hear, hear God's voice speaking into our lives. The problem isn't that, that he's not available, that he isn't speaking. What's rare is people that believe that it happens and ask God to come and do that in their lives, that take the risk to say, God, would you come? It's a rare thing. But the thing that's, that's beautiful about rare things is that they're valuable. You know, it's, it's the rare things that cost a lot. And when you get your hands on them, it's amazing. My kids, you know, they, they've collected all the different random things over the years, right? Like there was a period of time where there were these bracelets. I can't remember what they were called. I was actually counting on Emily and then she just went to the restroom or something. But they were like shaped like animals and stuff like that. You know, yes. silly bands. Yeah, silly bands, right? They were like all these different shapes. Oh, Emily's back there. Okay, they're like all these different shapes. You put them on your wrist. Emily, do you remember collecting these? Yes. Yeah. 
Silly bands, right? So you collect them. And I'll just never forget, like, when my kids would get one that was supposedly really rare, they're just freaking out, like, this is so rare. I mean, nobody has these. Nobody can find these. I traded, like, four to get this one. It's so rare. I'm thinking, I don't know how you know that a silly band is rare. But it was, it was this treasure. They were excited about it. Well, the scripture talks about us having that same attitude about God's word, recognizing it as this rare gift, this rare treasure. Psalm 119, verse 162, longest psalm in the Bible. The psalmist writes and he says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. <coughs> I mean, what if we had that sense of treasure and awe that, that in my hands... I'm not, I'm not just holding a book in a world full of books. I'm not just holding information in a world full of information. I am holding a rare and precious gift. I'm holding a treasure. I, I have a thing in my hands that contains in it the stuff that God wants to say to me. And this book pertains to so much. It has unique, wonderful things to say about this world, how it was formed, how it operates about me, how I operate, how I'm made and wired, who God is, his love for me. This is an incredible letter from God. And I actually think part of the problem is we have so many of these, we no longer view them as rare. It wasn't that many years ago that the only way to see one of these was to go to a specific building at a specific time and find this book in a language you couldn't understand, like Latin, chained to a, a podium and you just had to trust that the priest that would get up and read from it was telling me right stuff because I couldn't get my hands on it. Thank God for the Reformation. Now we've got these everywhere. The problem is when you got a million of them laying around your house, when they're easily accessible, we no longer recognize them as the treasure that they are. We have a rare, precious gift available to us and we get to pick it up and go, God, this is awesome. I get to be in your presence. And I love that Samuel here is like, he could sleep anywhere. Why wasn't he just sleeping in another room? Something in him, even though he didn't know, he'd never heard God speak before, but he knew, I, I want to be near that. That's where I want to be. And so he camped out. He made his bed right there. There's a sense of consistency there. See, not only is this about recognizing the treasure or the beauty of this thing that's rare, but it's also about putting yourself around it, choosing to get yourself in God's presence. And that's what he did. Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, right? So first and foremost, I'm just believing, God, you're real and you're available. Believe that he is. And here's the next step of faith. It's not just believing that God is real and that he's there believing that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, the story doesn't tell me, but I wonder how many nights Samuel slept in that place before he heard God speak. And what I really wonder about myself, and I kind of know about myself, is what's, what's my level of consistency and diligence to get around God's presence, even if I'm not having that amazing, magical moment every single time? Like, God, am I willing to put myself consistently, regularly in your presence, desiring to hear from you? And so the fact that he kind of made his bed there, it's like, that's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to stay. 
positioning ourselves. So as we talk about getting in God's word and getting to know him, there's just something to be said for the heart position of going, this is something special. This is a treasure. This is a rare beauty. This is something amazing. And also the consistency of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to place myself, position myself in God's presence regularly. Does that make sense to you guys? So there's a consistency to it. There, there was a guy, I was watching some of the inauguration stuff on, on Friday, and there was a guy that, that read this quote, and I loved it, and I, I cannot remember who he was quoting. If y'all remember, shout it out. But he was talking about how um, the inauguration, that, that moment, was both... Um, he said it's both uh, like ordinary and miraculous. Did anybody else hear that part? It was like one of the guys kind of opening things. It's ordinary and miraculous. He said it's ordinary because it just happens every four years. It's miraculous because it actually happens every four years. Our country chooses to peacefully transfer power to people regularly we don't agree with, right? Every so often it changes, the cycle changes. Well, this is kind of the same thing. I, I have the ability to have this this ordinary, daily, consistent approach to I can choose to be in God's presence that's available. It's miraculous because I get to be in God's presence. That's amazing. I'm telling you, if somebody told me tomorrow, you get to fly over to North Carolina or wherever he is, and you get to spend the day with Michael Jordan, I am flipping out. Now, that bro is alive and walking this earth and people see him every day. But for me, That'd be miraculous. I get to hang with Michael Jordan. This is my childhood idol. I grew up watching this guy. He's amazing. He's the greatest of all time. Like, I'd be flipping out. God is available in that way to us. And we can choose to recognize that and position ourselves consistently in his presence. So positioning our life as a hungry follower. Um, Now, I don't want to just talk about this theoretically with you guys. Um, in In my own life, there was something really specific that the Lord began to do in my heart. And as my heart was turning towards him in a very real way, um, 19, 20 years old, moving from a kid who grew up in church to, to a young guy who was starting to realize, like, if this Jesus thing is real, if God's real, I want to know him. And the simplest thing I knew to do was just start being around places where he was. And so I was consistently going into church. I was trying to track down people like my pastor and others who They knew God, so I want to be around them. And I would find people to be around who I looked up to that were in God's presence. And then ultimately, I began to go, God, I need you. And so I'd just, I'd get in my room and I'd open up my Bible and be like, okay, God, if you're real, talk. Come talk to me. I don't want this to be dead words on a page. If you're alive and you're real, would this come alive? And I just started going after it any way that I could get it. You know, here's Samuel. He's learning from Eli, who's flawed and not a perfect guy, but he's around him. He's learning from him. And he's positioning himself in God's presence in this room. Position. Okay, secondly, listening. Samuel had to learn to hear God's voice. Check this out. 1 Samuel chapter 3, starting in verse 4 now. Then the Lord called Samuel. So all the positioning is there. He's in the room. The Lord called Samuel. And Samuel said, here I am. But he ran to Eli. And he said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and he laid down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli again said, I did not call my son. Lie down. Check out verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. 
and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 8, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. There's no tone of voice there, but right, he's getting to the point where it's like, come on, bro, like, I know I'm not hearing things. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Now check this out. God is speaking. He has spoken three different times to Samuel. Samuel's hearing something, but he doesn't know what he's hearing. And so he's going to the wrong person. He's replying to Eli. And verse 7 tells us, He did not yet know the Lord, for the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. What this tells me is there is a difference between God speaking and it being revealed to me. And I think all too often in our lives, we mistake not hearing from God for he's not talking to me. And that's not necessarily the case. What's often the case is that he's speaking and I don't perceive it. I don't recognize it. I'm not sure how to hear him yet. Or even I've been hearing him this way for so long, I've closed myself off to the fact that he might talk to me in a whole lot of other ways over here. And so he's, he's maybe being a little quieter here and talking to me here, calling me into a new place. And so learning to recognize the fact that, that when there's an issue of not hearing him, that it probably, it's more likely that it's my inability to perceive it than his lack of speaking. He desires to speak and we can hear him. Check this out. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, the way that I gain the ability to take that leap of faith to say, okay, God, I'm believing that you're talking to me. I'm stepping out believing that you're speaking. Even that ability to grow in that faith comes from hearing. See, Samuel put himself in the position, started hearing, but didn't realize he was, but he was, he was, something was up. And so he went to the guy he knew to go to, right? Either Eli, you're talking to me, or you're at least going to know what's happening here and can explain this to me. And the beauty of what takes place in that passage is even it took Eli a little while to figure out what was happening, but eventually Eli perceived it and he goes, oh, here's what's happening, Samuel. God's talking to you. Now, let me help you. Check out this attitude in Samuel that I think is very important for us when it comes to learning how to hear God's voice. Number one, there's a sense of humility in Samuel. There's humility. I, I think a lot of us, if we're not careful and we open ourselves up to hearing God speak, we can almost overcorrect and immediately assume I'm always hearing the right thing all the time and it's definitely God speaking and I quickly shut out other voices in my life and can even, even get to the point where I'm not even looking at just what God's word says and running it through that filter. I'm just trusting my own instinct. I mean, Samuel's in God's presence. God is speaking to him. Why didn't he just leap to the conclusion it's God? He had a sense of humility, like, I, I need some help. I need some direction. And he was willing to go ask for help. So he's going to Eli. What's going on? Are you the one talking to me? What's happening here? Explain this. If we want to learn how to hear God's voice, seek other guides. There's people that God will put in your life to guide the way. Not only are there people 
there's these people that we're reading about. One of the ways I figured out how to hear God speak was I listened to Samuel's story. I listened to Moses' story. I listened to Abraham's story. And then I dared to believe, God, you can do that with me. God, maybe you want to talk to me the way you talk to Samuel. Maybe you're willing to talk to me the way you talk to Abraham or to Moses. And so, God, I'm willing to go ask for help. I'm even willing to embarrass myself a little bit. I mean, I've got to imagine, like, after Samuel's hearing this voice a couple of times, like, what happens when people are hearing voices? You think, they're crazy, right? Or Samuel's even got to be thinking, am I imagining this? Am I just going crazy? He was willing to continue to put himself in a place to be vulnerable with another person that he looked up to to say, man, I don't know if I'm crazy. I don't know if I'm losing my mind. I don't know if you're playing tricks on me, but like, dude, what's happening? And then Eli was there to be able to give him some direction. And so it took a sense of humility and being able to lean on somebody else. So I want you to, to, to hear something here at, that's going to really matter a lot when we get into next week, especially. Um, I believe very strongly that um, we have got to be rooted and grounded in this. God's word guides us into truth. It keeps me within safe parameters of knowing what's right and what's wrong. It helps me discern truth. But, but I do want you to hear something. This book was designed so we could know the God of this book. Amen. Do y'all hear that? I'm not setting this to the side. This is essential. But, but God wants us to know him. And so what this book does, one of the things that it does, is it trains me for how to hear God's voice. I think one of the most confusing things when we're learning how to hear God's voice in our life is I'm not sure if that's my own mind talking. I'm not sure if it's just negative voices and lies I've believed over the years. You know, I'm hearing my dad saying stuff to me from back in the day, and I think it's my heavenly father, and maybe my heavenly father's a little nicer than my earthly father was, right? It's confusing. This helps eliminate the confusion because as I'm reading this book, I'm getting a sense of who God is, how he speaks, what he's like, how he loves me, and so then when this book is set down, you know, for the day and I'm going about my day and I think I'm hearing something, oh, that sounds familiar. See, one of the things that that book does is it actually helps me learn God's language. It helps me learn how he speaks, right? So if I was going to try to learn another language, there'd be some book study involved. There'd be a guide that would help communicate some stuff to me. And then there would be real world practice of living in the world and interacting with other people that speak that language. All those things would work together. And so we need guides the way Samuel needed a guide. But Samuel also needed to hear God's voice and get familiar with it so he could recognize it, right? And then he would put that into practice out in his life. Does that make sense to you guys? And so um, God's word is important for learning true things, learning healthy information, learning sound doctrine. It's also useful as a way to learn a new language to learn how to hear God speak in our lives. Okay, so positioning and then listening. Listening, not ignoring, putting ourselves out there. Okay, finally, number three. We position ourselves, we listen, and then we respond. Now Samuel was kind of responding all along the way, but he eventually was coached on how to respond correctly. And I want you to pay really close attention to what Eli tells him. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 9. 
Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place and the Lord came and stood calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Now, the first thing that Eli does is he affirms what Samuel's already been doing. Hey, buddy, go back to that place you've been. Go position yourself again and do what you've been doing. Wait, listen. But this time, when you hear him speak, here's what you do. You respond. And here's how you respond. There's two specific things that he does. Number one, he says, respond by inviting God to speak more. Okay, God, I'm here. I'm acknowledging now that you're talking to me. So speak. And then he says, position yourself as a servant. See, I'm not only responding to listen to what God's saying, but I'm listening with the mindset that I'm going to do something with what he says to me. See, I think many of us have actually experienced hearing God speak to us, but there's something he said back here, and we maybe didn't want to do anything with that, or we didn't like what we heard, and so we just kind of pushed that to the side. But it's like, okay, God, but keep talking to me. He's like, but I said that back there, right? Listening with, it, with an intention to respond to him. So God, I'm believing you're going to say something and I'm putting myself in the place of your master, I'm servant. What do you want to say to me? I'll take a step. Listening with a responsive heart. Check this out, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker, right? Worker, similar to that idea of servant. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, I'm actually going to listen to what's really being said. I'm not going to try to read my opinion into it. I'm not going to try to take what God speaks and go, oh, cool, thank you for saying that, God. Let's go over here with it, right? I am going to listen to what he is saying specifically to me and hear it for what it is and respond to it. This is a huge issue in our culture today. It's risky to be willing to take what God says at face value and not try to put a twist or a spin or soften it, but to just hear the truth and respond to him. Because see, here's the reality. What Samuel heard next, everything's roses up to this point, right? This is cool. God's speaking his name specifically. He's figured out how to position himself. He's figured out how to listen. He's decided I'm going to respond. This is amazing. God's going to give me some incredible insight, right? I mean, think how excited Samuel must be. God's about to start talking to me. And what does God say? I love you. There's peace coming your way. Here's some really cool stuff. No, he says, Eli's blowing it. His sons are hypocrites. They're leading people astray and they're about to get judged for it. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, was it, don't you just think there was a moment where Samuel's thinking, never mind, <laughs> never mind, I'm good, I'm good. Life was easier when you weren't being that specific, God. I don't know what he's going to say, but it might lead us to a point of decision of something we aren't going to like when we first hear it. But see, again, we have to remember what we said back at the beginning. I'm believing that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That it actually is for my good, even if it doesn't feel that way. 
even if it doesn't feel that way. And so here's Samuel, and he was in turmoil. It says that he was afraid basically all night long. Verse 15, you can go back and read the harsh stuff God was saying about Eli and his family, but verse 15, after he hears it, it says, Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. We live in a day and age where it's becoming more and more risky all the time to stand up and speak the truth. The world doesn't want to hear it. And God is longing for people who love him and trust him that we will allow him to speak truth into our lives and that we'd maybe be willing to take the stand to speak some truth he tells us to others who need it. Now, I'm not saying that isn't a hard road and a challenging road and a confusing road. I think it's often been misrepresented. There's some people that stand up under the guise of, I'm just speaking the hard truth, and their emphasis is on the word hard, right? We're told to speak the truth in love. We're told to speak the truth in love because actually what sets us free is the truth. I didn't like being convicted of my sin, but I'm grateful that I was. It was through the vehicle of understanding that I was a sinner separated from God, living apart from him, that I also learned the truth, that he loved me and would save me and I could respond to him and be free and be forgiven. I have to hear bad news in order to get to the good news that's available in Christ Jesus. And so I've got to be willing at face value to hear what he has to say. Now, I'm not telling you this morning that every time we hear God speak, it's bad news. It's often good news and encouraging and wonderful. I'm just saying, when I prepare my heart to begin hearing from God, I've got to be ready to respond to what he says, whatever that is, and listen and receive it. And what I love about Samuel here is he did it. Eli tells him, man, just tell me everything. It's okay. Even if it was difficult, lay it on me. And so 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 18, Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli was able to, to take it. Now, if we just hear everything else in the story and forget that part, we miss out on the beauty of what happens in Samuel's life. Because Samuel was willing to do something with what God said, it positioned himself to have a lifetime of hearing God speak. The story goes on, verse 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. I love that. The Lord was with him. And he let none of his words fall to the ground. Isn't that cool? Samuel treasured God's word. He didn't let one word get, get fallen or get missed. Now, this doesn't mean he lived a perfect life. Don't mishear this. We're not going to get it right all the time. But his, his attitude was, God, I'm going to position myself to be near you. I'm going to listen to what you say, and I'm going to respond. And what that's going to produce in my life is you are with me, and I catch what you're saying. I catch it. I don't drop it. I don't miss it. I've spent years of my life afraid I was missing what God was saying. God, I'm looking for direction. I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know what you're going to say. And man, I've even believed weird stuff like if I get it wrong, I'm just kind of out there on my own. And God's saying, listen, you're not going to miss it. If you're positioning yourself to hear me speak and your desire is to respond to me, 
You're going to catch it. It's going to hit you. You're not going to miss. Have that attitude of listening, positioning, responding, and you'll catch it. Verse 20, And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as the prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Here's the conclusion of the matter for us, guys. God is speaking, and he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to reveal himself to me. And what we can do is position ourselves, we can listen, and we can have an attitude to respond to what he says. And if we will do that, then this is for us. Jesus prayed um, a prayer. He was talking to his disciples. He was praying a prayer over them. He was talking about them and the people that would come after them. This was all kind of leading up to his death. And in John chapter 14, verse 21, he said this. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and I will reveal myself to each of them. When we, when we have an, an attitude, a heart to hear and respond to what he's speaking to us, something miraculous begins to happen in our lives. We begin to experience God's love firsthand, tangible. We experience Jesus' power in our lives. And he goes from being this God we've heard about, that's been talked about, to someone that we are experiencing personally. He says, I'll reveal myself to them. I, I can know and experience Jesus because I'm willing to, to dare to risk and believe that God's speaking and that I can hear him. And so I'm going to position myself, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to have a heart to respond. And this is what can take place. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love us. God, I thank you that your desire is for your kids to know you, to walk with you, God, to experience you in our everyday lives. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would hear your voice calling our name. Lord, I love that in this story, the first thing you were doing was just simply saying, Samuel. And by calling his name, it was an invitation into your presence. Lord, I pray for myself and for each of my friends, God, that we would hear you calling our names. God, there's, there's a sense of intimacy in that. God, that we would hear that invitation. Lord, help us to learn how to position ourselves, recognizing that it's miraculous that you would want to speak to us, but recognizing it's something we can experience daily. We can put ourselves in your presence. Lord, help us to listen and to learn how to do that more and more. God, train our ears for your voice. Help us to be humble and seek help and guides who are around us that can help point us in that direction. And then, God, would you give us a heart to respond to you? If it's something lovely, if it's something convicting, if it's something challenging, God, that we would have a heart that is willing to respond and say yes to what you speak into our lives. God, I, I pray, Jesus, for, for this verse that, that you spoke for us, that if we hear your commandments and follow them, God, that we will experience your love. And that we will experience your presence. You'll reveal yourself to us. We believe that. We choose to believe that you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. God, do this in our hearts today. God, this week we want to hear your voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
All right, next Sunday is going to look different. Um, it's going to be a teaching, but I'm hoping it's a little more maybe experiential would be the word. I don't know. But we're actually going to do like a morning devotional together. And so I want to kind of walk through with you guys and, and teach through not the way, but just, just some practices I put in my own life to just be in God's presence, listen to him and respond to him. And so we're going to kind of do that together next Sunday. So I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it. We love you guys. Um, and we'll see you next Sunday. Catch you later.